Hi everyone, I am Emily Lee from Discovery on Target. I'm really pleased to have the opportunity to speak with Professor Dai Fukumura from Harvard Medical School. He'll be giving a keynote presentation at the Targeting Tumor Myeloid Cells program as part of the 16th Annual Discovery on Target conference in Boston on Thursday, September 27. Dai, thank you for joining us. Sure. Can you give us a preview of your talk and share its significance? In my talk, I will discuss the cause and the consequence of abnormal tumor microenvironment, which we will call TME, that ultimately lead to the resistance to anti-tumor therapies, including immunotherapy. This will be the first speaker. So at the beginning, I would like to start with a quick overview of abnormal TME. I will show imaging data so that the audience can quickly grasp the idea about TME and its abnormalities and associated problems. In the main part of the talk, I will discuss two different but interrelated mechanisms that aggravate TME. One is physical stress leading to hypoperfusion and hypoxia and the other is immunosuppressive myeloid cells. I will discuss these in the context of treatment and host condition. More specifically, I will discuss our studies with anti-angiogenic therapy and obesity condition. First, I will discuss about anti-angiogenic therapy. Vascular endocellular growth factor, VGF, is the major pathway for physiological and pathological angiogenesis. Anti-VGF therapy is a standard of care for metastatic colorectal cancer, and among many others. However, anti-VGF treatment efficacy has not been you know, significant, kind of modest. We found that anti-VGF therapy induces hypoxia. That leads to the activation of cancer-associated fibroblasts and their production of extracellular matrix, and that results in the aggravation of desmoplasia, which is fibroinflammatory condition of the tumor. Tumor growth within such a highly desmoplastic tumor, which is very stiff ECM encasement, uh, generate physical stress, uh, which is called solid stress. Solid stress corrupts blood vessels, compromise perfusion, and further aggravate hypoxia. That induces multiple milieu of aggressiveness of tumors. By digesting abnormal ECM, we could actually alleviate desmoplasia and hypoxia and improve treatment efficacy. And next, I will discuss another highly prevalent condition that induces abnormal ECM. It is obesity. As we are all aware of, obesity is increasing at an alarming rate. It associates with poor prognosis of many cancers, including pancreatic cancers. We actually found in obesity, tumors have many adipocytes inside. These cancer-associated adipocytes, as well as cancer-associated fibroblasts and tumor-infiltrating myeloid cells, activate each other via reciprocal regulation, which we found mediated by interleukin beta. Obesity also worsens dysmoplasia via angiotensin 2 receptor 1 AT1 signaling. Obesity increases tumor-infiltrating myeloid cells and T regulatory T cells, decreases both CD4 plus and CD8 plus T cells. Targeting myeloid cells, interleukin 1 beta or AT1, all these abnormal immune TME and eventually facilitate a pancreatic cancer response to treatment. AT1 blocker, Rosatin, is actually widely used in the clinic as a hypertensive drug. The clinical trial of locally advanced pancreatic cancer with Rosatin showed significant increase in resection rate of these advanced patients. So 
this is actually uh, not only a proof of the animal studies, but also there are proof of the clinical studies. Lastly, if time permits, I will briefly introduce our clinical and preclinical studies of breast cancer with anti-BGF therapy in the context of obesity. Obesity patients and animals have large tumors, uh, their resistance to anti-BGF therapy, and with worse prognosis. We found interleukin-6 mediates obesity-induced resistance to anti-BGF therapy in this context. And also, depending on the tumors, basic FGF also mediates the resistance. Targeting these pathways significantly improves breast cancer response to treatments in obesity. I hope my talk and this example will give the audience some idea about the concept of DME and its remodeling. You've been working on this topic for quite some time now. What have you learned about the difficulties of reprogramming tumor microenvironment? One of the big challenges is like a special and temporal heterogeneity. This is a hallmark of the malignant tumors. So it's not static condition. So the area which is hypoxic, for example, uh, it changes over the time or like especially also like uh, changes. So that makes like a prediction of the, uh, the microenvironment a little harder than just like uh, looking at the snapshot. Then we have to like uh, develop very careful model system to mimic behavior of the TME because this is a very heterogeneous system which is known. However, we can see relatively a small snapshot of the tumor. To get like, uh, any way as accurate as possible information, we have to use a model to begin with a model which the best representative of the clinical tumor. So that is a major challenge. Another challenge is like some of the diversity of the patients, which is not representative, in, especially for the animal studies. We tend to use a tumor model or tumor line, which is basically isogenic. But in case of a patient, every single tumor is unique. So to accommodate for that part, we use patient-derived xenograft, which is called PDX. The major challenge of the PDX model is they are human tumor and they're also very difficult to grow in the animal. So therefore, we have to use a heavily immunodeficient mice. Unfortunately, if we want to study the immunotherapy or like an immune system in such tumor, it's very difficult. We have some attempt to make mouse kind of behaving a human immune system, but never be able to reproduce the human immune system in the animal. So we can only study very limited aspect of the immunology for these tumors. So that is very challenging. There's another like uh, philosophical dilemma. This is not necessarily the field of the tumor microenvironment, but just in general for the tumor study. So we used to study the tumor based on the mechanism, built on the based on the mechanisms which we accumulate the data. But unfortunately, quite often, after we spend the years of the studies, we nicely show the mechanisms, but then we fail to show the clinical significance. So then like, the other thought is like, okay, so that is not going to work. The goal is we need to basically improve patient treatment. Why not like looking at that first? And then if that works, maybe we can study uh, mechanisms. The challenge for that is, yes, now we know the treatment is working, but then like, uh, the next challenge is, actually, we don't know how it works. If we want to convince the people using that kind of therapy, you have to show the mechanisms. If we cannot show the mechanisms, uh, people cannot jump on. Either way, so we are kind of like, uh, struggling one way or the other. So bottom line, we have no other way. We have to do both types of studies. But which is better to start with is the, depending on the strategy, I think. Well, would you like to see more in this field? 
Recently, a lot of advanced techniques for the research is available, especially for the high-resolution deep information, like single-cell resolution analysis with single-cell sequences, or like a CITOF, uh, which is mass cytometry. So both of these types of the information will give you a lot uh, more information than we can obtain from the analysis of the bulk tumor. Or like uh, we, we do immune cell analysis using a flow cytometry, but flow cytometry is basically limited to the number of the colors we can use. Using a CITOF, we have much more markers which is necessary to study immune cells. So this type of information should be necessary, and then they need to be increased. There are some like a challenge for that too, because like how once you, we do this kind of unbiased research, current studies basically kind of there's a gap between the unbiased search and then the bulk of the study. The bulk of the study is basically traditional study focusing on specific factors or some factors, and that is related to the unbiased search, but the majority of the unbiased search is actually not reflected to the actual study, and actually also vice versa. Since they finish the study there, we cannot see like uh, feedback of the actual detailed study to the very wide information pool. So if we can generate that kind of like a uh, feedback system, maybe we can use like uh, by unbiased search more efficiently, and also we can predict a treatment or a response to uh, biology more accurately than we can do right now. So as the conference is approaching, what presentations and sessions are you looking forward to the most at the targeting tumor myeloid cells meeting? Yeah, actually, this meeting is very exciting. I like it. And then I kind of focus on some aspect of the immunology. The session is very exciting. The speakers line up like different viewpoint of the immune TME. So it's very probably interesting from the beginning to the end. But of course, I'm very interested to see some of the studies targeting myeloid cells for the improvement of the immunotherapy. Dai, thank you so much for your time and insights today. That was Professor Dai Fukumura from Harvard Medical School. He will be speaking at the Targeting Tumor Myeloid Cells meeting as part of the 16th Annual Discovery on Target Conference in Boston. If you'd like to hear him in person, go to www.discoveryontarget.com for registration information and enter the key code PODCAST. I'm Emily Lee. Thank you for listening.